Welcome to Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories, written and narrated by Heather Lynn McMillan and copyright 2022. Content warning. The Anturia Diaries prequel stories consistently feature themes of graphic violence, profanity, controversial topics, and sexual content. As such, these podcasts are not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. Some episodes also contain more specific themes which may be triggering. These episodes will feature further content warnings in the notes. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. A couple of hours passed before the others had to stop restraining me, because in between collapsing into convulsive sobs, I would get up and attempt to go back to my home. Dalfia started gathering those on our side and forming bands of fighters around the city. Word reached us during this time that what happened in the council spread quickly across the planet. Everywhere across the planet, those in favor of having enslaved people were rising to attack those that were against it. As I sat listening to the different news reports and Dalphia giving instructions and orders on my behalf, I blinked dumbly around the room at her, at Oswald, and at the flow of others in and out, taking the dead out to properly dispose of them and removing the injured to our healers. Our world was now quite divided down the middle, and here, during my most profound found grief. I could see no way out of it. Oswald recorded all the decisions being made and the justification for each of the findings, both for accountability and later for reflection and posterity. I think he just wanted to do something he was good at doing to help out in whatever way his talents would lend. If I weren't so wretched in my sorrow, I would have felt the same way. I had not felt the urge to run back home in a while because now I knew what I would find there. I didn't need to see it to understand. My sobs weren't quite as labored anymore because my body and mind were starting to tire beyond the capacity to continue. Dolphia noticed me quieting and stood up to bring me a glass of water, which I drank down faster than I intended. I was so thirsty and did not realize it until the water hit my lips and tongue. Thank you, I whispered to her, barely able to talk now from losing my voice with my wailing, screaming, and crying over the last two hours. She took the empty glass from me and refilled it. You are welcome, she said, handing the glass back to me. I am so sorry for your loss. We all have those losses now. I was dumbfounded to realize that we do all have losses now. Every single living being left alive on Anturia at this moment now experienced loss of someone they held dear. Some Anturians like me, every single member of their family. I was not alone in my grief. Anturia and I shared the same suffering as blood stained the soil of our planet. This whole situation was the fault of that damnable Porta Segreta. Belia Island was all I could whisper to Dalphia even though I wanted to ask a whole coherent question. Dolphia knew my question already, though, and answered me. The rebels have taken it over. They are calling themselves the Anturian Society Freedom Fighters. I couldn't make the appropriate sounds to snort my disdain at the irony of the title. Freedom Fighters? Freedom Fighters who wanted slavery? It's like they didn't even know the definition of freedom. Dolphia nodded as though reading my thoughts, but I suspect as smart as she was, her thoughts were already the same. 
Yes, the irony of it is not lost on those of us who oppose them. I'm afraid the whole planet is in civil war right now. Us versus them. We have a hold on some communities, and they have a hold of some communities. There are no full regions under the control of anyone at this time. It's all mixed by community. Our planet consisted of communities of various sizes, similar to what humans referred to as cities and towns. We did not have states or countries, but we had regions where each community associated with for trade, goods, support during environmental crisis, etc. We needed to capture a community and get it under control, I thought to myself. Dolphy aside, we need to get at least one community under our control so we can set up a central location. This area is no longer safe for us to operate from as a base. Tethia is no longer safe for us as it does not belong to us. We are working on a plan right now to get us all out of here by morning. I nodded with amazement apparent on my face since it was the thought I had just had. She smiled kindly at me. Remember when I was a cadet at the Tethian Academy? You were my favorite instructor. I smiled back at her. I felt like that was a long time ago. A different lifetime, perhaps. But I did remember teaching her and how she hung on my every word as a student. She would know me well, as she always paid attention. It felt foreign for me to smile, I realized. But somehow, I knew I needed to smile to remind myself that I was still alive. I needed to help get us back to a place of peace and stability. That was my first priority to stop the loss of life on both sides as quickly as possible. I was about to sit up taller and discuss this with her when Dalphia put her hand on my shoulder. Not now. You need to get at least a few hours of sleep before we move tomorrow. You will need your strength as I am not carrying you, she smirked at me. At that moment, I was about to protest, but her smirk started to get a little blurry. She was speaking to me again, but her mouth seemed to be moving in slow motion and the sounds elongated. What was she saying? I could barely keep my eyes open, and she cupped my cheeks in her hands and kissed me on the forehead. I felt it because I couldn't see anymore as everything had faded to darkness. Sleep, I heard her whisper against my ear, and that was the last thing I remembered. I woke up about five hours later, and the room around me was in full bustle mode. All the bodies had been removed, and the body parts, body stains, and remnants of the battle seven hours prior were all gone. In fact, all the furniture that had been broken or stained was also replaced. The room looked like nothing happened here, except even in my stupor of coming back to consciousness, I knew the awful truth. I blinked a few times, and Dalphia was standing over me with that same smirk I remembered before everything got blurry. Awake now? Good. I told you that I didn't want to carry your ass out of here. I meant it. I sat up and realized I felt as though I slept so deeply and wonderfully. What did you give me? I asked, rubbing my head. I realized my voice had come back fully as well. Just a little sleeping draft, she shrugged unapologetically. The new council has nominated me to be your first and your guard, by the way. So you're absolutely stuck with me from this point forward. I don't care if you mind. Get some water, take a piss, splash some water on your face, and let's go. Ordinarily, I bristled when people gave me orders. I was not one that took orders from others well, 
I liked to give them, but I wasn't very good at taking them. But I knew enough about her personality to know she was only taking charge for now while my emotional state was still in question. I was still in shock. I was still grieving. It was just that the violent outpour of that grief was now over. The silent grief would still consume me a while yet longer, perhaps the rest of my life. I did all the things she told me, and I still felt a little out of sorts, an after-effect of the sleeping draft, mixed with the inner grief, for certain. Once I was ready, she took my hand and led me out to a waiting capsule pulled by horses. Yes, we have horses here on Anturia. We have tons of the same animals that can be found on Earth. We have some differences, though, with the species between the planets. For example, our horses come in a wider variety of colors than those found on Earth. We have blue horses, green horses, and the sacred silver and white horses. Those horses were all silver like someone dipped them in wet silver and then stuck glitter or sparkles all over them. They had white tails, manes, and underbellies. They were very rare. I digress. While we did have what humans would call technology, like fueled artificial vehicles, we mostly used horses to travel across the land. We had so many horses that it was just a natural response to use the resource already readily available on the planet. Anyway, in human terms, the capsule would most closely resemble a carriage, but the capsule was fully enclosed with air filtration and temperature control systems for the comfort of the passengers. The interiors were comfortable and contained all of the comforts we Anturians loved to have. Drinks, food, reading materials, and music playing devices called sign. I sat down in the capsule next to Dalphia, and a couple other council members entered the capsule with me, along with Oswald and two others I knew to be guards. I knew there would be more guards stationed on the horses and on top of the capsule and along the back of the capsule as we moved. Where are we going? I asked Alfia. She shook her head as if to tell me we could not talk about it here. I nodded understanding. If there was anyone around us that was a spy or working for the rebels, they could telepathically transmit that information to others. We would only be able to speak plainly to each other once we were sure that we were alone and soundproofed or speak by code. I did not have a secret code with Dalphia alone, though. I only had one with Oswald. Dalphia's fingers moved to pick up her sign that she dropped on the floor of the capsule, and I noticed she was talking to me in that same code. Oswald must have taught her while I slept. Oswald will always be the dearest friend that I have ever had. Inwardly, I smiled, feeling comforted by the fact she knew our secret code, and I understood then that we were being taken to Chill de Velglin. Historically, Chell de Velglin was a tight-knit community of Crow and Boo, and I was somewhat surprised, as I assumed Malaith had some strong connections there since it was her birthplace. But I didn't want to question her here and draw attention to the fact we were signing code to each other. I kept my question to ask later. I could only assume Dalphia would not take us there if it was not a stronghold or a safe place for us to go. I looked out the capsule windows as we moved through Tethia, maybe because I knew it was a lost city to us, but the landscape of the community looked like a ghost town. 
There was no one in the streets other than dead bodies we might come across every now and then. Testaments to the bloodshed and the violence that have taken place over the last seven to eight hours. The sun was just above the treetops now, and I recognized the road that led off to my house. There were bodies everywhere along that street. Whatever happened there, it was a huge battle. I wanted to yell at them to turn down the road so I could see my house, but I knew it was not good for me to see it that way. I needed to remember it all, just the way it was before. I was shaken out of my quiet contemplation by yells and shouts from outside the capsule. Dalphia and I both reached for our knives instinctively, and we began looking out the windows in all directions. I could hear a female's voice shouting, Take me with you, damn it! Take me with you now! The capsule stopped moving, and I sprung open the door and leaped across the other sitting between me and the door in case I had to fight. In front of me was a female. She was not as tall as me, but she had beautiful violet eyes that were set wide and spaced perfectly apart from her nose. The familiar female couldn't have been more than a measurement of 5 feet 6 inches or 1.7 meters. She was quite small in size. Her clothes and her silver hair were completely covered in blood. In her belt, she carried sheathed knives that were oozing so much blood that it dripped out of the sheaths and on to the ground where she stood. I recognized her as my neighbor, Kyla Marie. Kyla, I yelled. Kyla Marie. Her violet eyes shifted from the group on the horses and on top of the capsule to me. Bryn, Bryn Tal. She ran full speed toward me and the guards poised to take her down until I waved them off. No, she's one of us, I assured them. And she reached me and slammed into me with a hard embrace. I tried to save them. She was almost pleading with me to believe her. They killed my own family while I was next door trying to save yours. I was so outnumbered. I was so un prepared. She let go of me and stared at me directly in my eyes. Her eyes that had obviously shed tears a moment ago were now hard and cold, full of hatred, certainly more than I've ever seen them before. I will not be unprepared again, she said through gritted teeth. Never. I grabbed her arm. Get in, I told her pointing at the inside of the capsule. She climbed in and I followed her back inside. I wanted to ask her about the scene at my house, but I couldn't yet. I couldn't talk about it. I just felt like having her here next to me was like having some small part of my family with me. She was there trying to defend them when they died. They did not have to die feeling alone and forgotten. She was there. Gods. She was there defending my family while her family died unprotected next door. It was quite a few minutes before I let go of her arm in the capsule. No one spoke. No one could. We were all dealing with the same trauma, the same absolute truth, the same horror we could not wake up from because it was not a dream. I saw some others pick up their signs and listen to music to relax. I decided to do the same thing. Because we have that genetic ability to communicate telepathically, we could listen to a sign and then choose to share it with another no matter their distance from us. I knew when I reached out to ask Afanin if she wanted to listen with me that there would be no response. I knew this because even before we ran into Kyla, I remembered that Afanin reached out in her last moments of life to scream in pain across the miles to me. My sweet Afanin. As we left Tethia, I saw a bed of flowers that started to bloom at an intersection. I thought about the seeds we had planted in our garden. Dear Afanin, the flowers bloom without you, but they bloom because of you.
Thank you for listening to Season 1, Episode 4, The Flowers Bloom Without You, from the Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcast subscription app or at anturia.org. Season 1, Episode 5, The City of Darkness, picks up as Bryn and the new council set up in the community of Chel de Velglin. Stay tuned.